0: Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
1: Don't you understand? It doesn't have to be like this. You have to help. It's gotten out of control. It's too big. It is time to launch a new war
0: against the evil of lies, deceit, and darkness and go all out to win the victory of truth and transparency and light.
2: Sure, go ahead. Believe everything you see on television, everything you read in the newspaper. Go ahead. Get your history out of the Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah, that's right. Oswald killed Kennedy. Yeah, sure he did. Man, you are living in Disneyland.
3: Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer
2: Radio, AM 740. Welcome to the broadcast, friends. What day is it? Sunday, May 20th, 2012. And uh, to the uh, previous uh, host who just waltzed out of here, the uh, venerable Dr. Ginescu. Yes, doctor. I just found that out a couple of weeks. Anyway, good Dr. Ginescu, straight home. Uh, We have an interesting program. We're going to go full bore, the full two hours, with... A gentleman, I think, is um, is in the pantheon of uh, great talk show guests. And uh, I've, um, I've uh, had the pleasure of interviewing John Rappaport probably on a half dozen uh, occasions. You, of course, uh, will know him from No More Fake News. And he's an investigative journalist. He's been covering the medical cartel for over 30 years and he's got a an explosive new collection out called The Matrix Revealed Volume 1 on uh, it's a, it's not just a CD it's a CD-ROM it's just jam-packed with text, uh, audio, hours and hours and hours of uh, of uh, of interviews with some whistleblowers and uh, what he calls Matrix insiders. And we're going to talk to John Rappaport in just a moment. He's standing by in the great city of Carlsbad, California. Uh, but before we do that, a couple of weeks ago, I was in Los Angeles, doing the show live from uh, there, and you'll recall the the first hour scheduled guest was Grant Jeffrey. Uh, Grant uh, passed away, unfortunately. We lost a great communicator and a um, uh, a, a great author. Uh, about a week after that broadcast, I I had I'd, I'd heard the afternoon before the show that uh, Grant had uh, taken ill and uh, unfortunately passed away, as I say, about a week later. And uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Grant and and talking with him just about two weeks, I think, before he he suddenly took ill. And uh, so uh, my my prayers go out to um, to his family and Kay, uh, if you're listening. Again, my sincere condolences. Uh, Grant was... uh, Had just put another book to bed. He had just sent it to the publisher a few days before, and it had to do with the uh, the collapse of the American Empire. This was a major work, and I'm I'm guessing you know that's going to be published. So we'll have that that to work uh, to look forward to. That will be his, I guess, his final shot shot over the bow uh, of uh, you know these secret societies and and uh, elite uh, groups that are manipulating things backstage in the global theater. Anyway, um, Grant Jeffrey, rest in peace. And another gentleman who has fired a, a significant shot across the bow joins me now, as I mentioned, from Carlsbad. John Rappaport, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you, my friend?
4: Uh, it's great to be here. I'm fine. I'm fine.
2: The Matrix Revealed, Volume 1. Tell me a little bit about this project. What's, what's, uh, what's contained in The Matrix Revealed?
4: well as you say I had a chance to contact and then extensively interview former insiders who were key people in creating the picture of reality that the population of Earth believes in I guess that's the easiest way to put it one of these was a man who goes under the pseudonym of Ellis Metavoy, who for many years was a propaganda operative a master propagandist and uh, I met him originally many years ago and we started a series of informal conversations and he began to trust me on the condition that he would remain anonymous as all these insiders have And he began to explain to me the real nuts and the bolts of how propaganda campaigns are done. Not just little ones, but the very biggest ones. The ones that promote diseases that don't really exist. That promote major changes in the way people look at their own government. Cultural changes see changes in the culture from decade to decade and generation to generation, all manipulated, all promoted secretly to exert a kind of what can only be called mind control on the population. And that meeting with him convinced me that what I had to do was to find other such people who could explain to me the mysteries of this matrix that we all live in and how it is built, the nuts and the bolts of it, not just the generalities. And in the process, I met another key individual who became a friend of mine, the late Jack True, a hypnotherapist whom I believe is the most brilliant uh, hypnotherapist uh, who ever walked the planet and one of the first things that he said to me was he said you know the space-time
2: continuum is an illusion (laughs) that's a pretty pretty strong opening uh, remark (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) to try that at a cocktail party
4: yeah that will well it was kind of that way we met in a library (laughs) uh it wasn't quite a cocktail party but at ucla biomed library in 1986-87, where I was doing research for my first book, AIDS, Inc., and someone had told me, you've got to meet Jack because he has quite a different perspective on what's going on here. And so I did. We sat down in the, in the basement, the <laughs> uh, stacks of the library, and we began talking. And that's one of the first things he said right out of the box.
2: Well, so. here you are—you're an investigative journalist. I mean, you're hardcore. You're—you were nominated for a Pulitzer Prize. What do you do with that—that—that that, that opening <laughs> line? What—what what do you do with well, that information?
4: Uh, yeah. Well, what I said was, um, can you back it up? <laughs> you know, I said because I'm pretty much leaving the conventional world of investigative journalism at this point, he knew that because I couldn't get my stories published anymore because I was treading on toes. And I said, look, you know, I'm willing to entertain anything, but I mean, this just sounds beyond the pale. It's, it's you know, wh- what can you tell me about this? And so one thing led to another, and uh, Jack finally said, you know what you should do? You should find volunteers in laboratory studies of the paranormal, laboratory experiments. It won't be easy because these are all anonymous volunteers, but the ones you want to find are the ones who do much better than anybody could have predicted in these experiments and talk to them, interview them, find out what's going on. He said, because these people are proving that the conventional space-time matrix or continuum is an illusion because they do things that are
2: impossible are we talking about like remote viewers
4: yes remote viewers but the first uh, person that I made a contact with you know there's an experiment it's called the some people call it the psychokinesis ball drop experiment You have a huge uh, glass case, and from a funnel at the top, these balls are released down into the case. They're like ping pong balls. And there are holes in the case and pegs, so the balls bounce off the pegs and they settle into the holes. And if you were to draw a stripe, vertical stripe down the middle, probability says that about half the balls will settle to the left of center and half to the right of center. And they bring in volunteers, and the volunteers are there, and their job is to try to mentally influence the balls so that more of them go to the left or more of them go to the right than probability would indicate. And over the course of many controlled experiments, I mean, I already knew this from other interviews, the results of the best experiments show that, in fact, probability is exceeded on the whole by these volunteers in other words they do better than 50-50 not a great deal better but better than the probability law would allow all right so it took me quite a while but i found one of these guys and he agreed to be you know interviewed he was you know just seemed like a kind of an ordinary guy He was, as he said, he said, I'm an analyst. He said, that's what I do for a living. And I asked him to break that down for me, and he declined. But I knew that he, in fact, was one of these people who had performed excellently in this experiment. Better than anybody could have predicted, exceeded by far any law of probability. And so he had done something paranormal. And I wanted to know how and why. And that was the beginning of a journey and I said so what did you do and he said well I experimented he said I tried meditation that didn't do anything he said I tried to uh, use uh, direct energy on these balls and move them to one side or the other he said that worked a little bit but not really and then finally what he did was he said I created a field around the balls. And I said, You mean like an energy field? He said, Yes. He said, But it wasn't just a projection of energy. It was a whole space, a field of active particles of energy percolating. And he said, I put a, as he used the word motive, he said, I put a motive in the field. I said, a motive, you mean like a purpose? He said, yeah. He said, the purpose was to get the balls to move to the left of center. He said, that worked. He -hmm. said, I was able to do it on more than one occasion. And I said, well, you realize, don't you, that none of this makes any sense to conventional physics. Yeah, he said, yes, he said, you know, he realized that, certainly. He said, but so what, essentially? He said, this is what I did, and this I found worked. And he said that he had practiced subsequently doing this a number of times, and that it worked. It worked every time. Hmm. And I said, well, this is quite an extraordinary ability. He said, well, it's, he, he said it's very pleasurable. That's the way he put it. He said it's very pleasurable to do this.
2: Listen, we um, we're going to take a time out. When we come back, John, I want to delve further into this uh, individual's story. I'm sure there are others just like him. It's some somewhat reminiscent of the the experiments uh, that I believe are still ongoing at places like Stanford University, where they're they're experimenting experimenting with something called the power of intention, where they have people who are able uh, this is documented able to change the pH level of water just by concentrating on the water. Uh, I mean, what do we do with this information? We'll uh, discuss The Matrix Revealed with investigative journalist John Rapoport, nominated for a Pulitzer Prize. No more fake news. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Peering into the
3: shadows where the truth often hides, you're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. The world and seeing what falls. This is the conspiracy show with Richard Serrett on
2: Zuma Radio, AM 740. The Matrix Revealed, Volume One, uh, coming at you from John Rapaport. And uh, before we get back into the uh, this individual who revealed uh, his his participation in this, I guess an experiment involving telekinesis. Uh, I don't know if, if that's the appropriate um, uh, 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 word, but uh, what was the motivation for re- for re- uh, releasing this material now, John? Matrix Revealed, Volume One. This is a major work.
4: Yeah, this is uh, this is ten years of visible work, with another you can tack on another twenty, so it's really thirty years worth of work. And uh, the motivation behind it is. That as I delve deeper and deeper into these issues, and I mean, you know, these are political issues, medical issues, cultural issues, paranormal issues. I mean, from every angle I approach this, it became more and more apparent to me that we are living inside this grid, this matrix, and that it doesn't have to be that way. In all of these aspects that I just named and more, that the human race is indeed living in this limited reality and that it's quite possible and necessary for us to break out of this. So that was really the motivation for putting all this
2: together. These matrix insiders that you talked about, these these propagandists, I guess the ones that are charged with keeping the lid uh, on the truth or the ones that are responsible for programming our reality, did they offer up any rationale, uh, things like we can't handle the truth or if any of this information gets out uh, and... You know, the reality this this picture that we have starts to starts to crumble. There'll be chaos in the streets. We're doing it because it's necessary.
4: Well, I think you've hit the nail on the head. That's their rationale. They, for example, Ellis Metivoy, whom I mentioned earlier, propagandist, retired, said to me, "Our view was." that all of the institutions of society would disintegrate if the truth were known because they're all built on lies essentially and it's the job of the elite propagandist to not only keep telling those lies but to tell them in such a way that they will Conspire to produce an overall picture of reality where each part of the matrix supports every other part so that people have a kind of movie going of what reality consists of and If that were not there chaos total confusion institutions crumbling and dissolving but you see Ellis also said to me that he eventually came to realize that that was not true that that rationale was a lie that he himself had bought into as a way of you know getting himself off the hook for all the harm that he had done as People will see when they read these interviews, and I interview him, I think it's I don't know, twenty or thirty times extensively in The Matrix Revealed. This is a man who carries around a tremendous amount of remorse and guilt with him for what he did. But at the same time, he you know, it's not black or white. He still occasionally will reveal that he has a rather low opinion of the human race. And so it isn't like he's completely reformed. He's just retired. But that's that's the rationale. That's the way they look at this. That's the way they explain why they have to be in charge because they're the elite. They're the intelligentsia, the cream of the cream. They can deal with the truth, but nobody else can.
2: Did you get a sense over the last thirty years, have you gotten a sense of how this matrix, I guess the 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 hierarchy uh, behind the matrix. Uh, who are the architects? who uh, who's who is programming our reality? what What is this? I mean, I don't know if the names are even important, but but how is it organized? Well, this
4: continues to be the most difficult question of all because, it's like the old uh, soviet you know intelligence cells where each cell is compartmentalized and operates on a need to know basis and so you climb higher and higher in the matrix and you find layers of control it's not as if you have you know 6 or 8 billion people living on the planet and there's five guys who directly you know control everybody there's layers and layers of the hierarchy, and it, it is a hierarchy, but it's also evolving. This much was made clear to me, and I could see it. In other words, it's not like just a static thing that sits there
2: forever. Um, so these Matrix insiders are not necessarily you know, members of the alphabet intelligence agencies. These are, I mean, where do they come from? Where, who are they?
4: Some of them certainly come from elite families who own tremendous amounts of resources, land, who have untold amounts of fortunes that can't even be counted. And I would put David Rockefeller in that league. I won't say that he's at the top of the chart because I don't think he is. but that family has wielded enormous amount of control for a very long time and has also hidden its assets very well so that it's like a giant octopus even though you don't see it mentioned in you know business newspapers anymore they have diversified their portfolio into foundations nonprofit foundations Of course, the oil business, the pharmaceutical business, which are key operations in the matrix. They own directly or indirectly enormous amounts of resources and land. They own banks, which means, and they own banks at a level where they control to some degree the invention and flow of money such as in the Federal Reserve there are different streams that move of power or control that move upward such as the money or the financial cartel the intelligence cartel the medical cartel the energy cartel etc etc and certainly the council on foreign relations which was created by Rockefeller in 1920 21 in New York And it's offshoot, you might say, the trilateral commission. They are epicenters of this matrix of control. Not the outsiders who who are invited in, you know, just to kind of participate, but the inner core of especially financial insiders do wield a tremendous amount of power. And so I was able to trace it certainly that far. And then also into secret societies, for example, if you look at the Vatican, you're looking at a complex of control and power. Not the Vatican that we see, but within the Vatican for a very long time there has evolved uh, uh, several secret societies that have as their objective global domination. But they don't operate as you would think something inside the Vatican operates. They operate with you know 50 year plan, 100 year plan. They are quite willing to manipulate events over the long term with no concern for the amount of chaos that they, or destruction, that they cause to reach their ultimate objective. So these are some of the paths that I traced in in
2: putting this all together. Let's go back uh John Rappaport with us. No more fake news and his uh uh, new work is Ma- Matrix: The Matrix Revealed, Volume 1. This is a, a CD-ROM, and we'll tell you how you can uh, get a hold of that uh, throughout the program. John Rappaport with us for the full two hours. We'll also open up the phone lines, and if you'd like to get in on the conversation, uh, but just hold off a little. Let's, let's let this uh, conversation ferment a little bit, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get you in involved in the conversation in probably about a half hour's time. Uh, but when we come back, I want to go back to the uh, the statement you made earlier somewhere in the bowels of um, this uh, library that uh, the space-time continuum is an illusion. Uh, I, want to, I want to pursue that a little bit further, and then we'll get into also the, the medical cartel and much, much more. John Rappaport, my guest for the full two hours. Hope you'll be aboard as well. Back with more. Don't go away. When in doubt, blame the government.
3: You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To speak to Richard live... Call 416-360-0740 or toll-free in Ontario, one 866 740 4740
2: John Rappaport was a candidate for U.S. congressional seat, uh, for a U.S. congressional seat in the 29th District of California. He's worked as an investigative reporter for 30 years, writing articles on politics, medicine, and health for CBS, Health Watch, LA Weekly, Spin Magazine, Stern and other newspapers and magazines in the U.S. and Europe. He's delivered lectures and seminars on global politics, health, and creative action to audiences around the world. Now, getting back to this uh, gentleman who was, I guess, uh, utilizing certain skills uh, in, in telekinesis uh, to manipulate uh, these, you know, these balls. It sounds, so it sounds like the, the lottery balls that drop. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like the. How does someone like that represent a threat to this matrix or to the, those that are, that are creating this matrix?
4: Well, I I eventually talked to him about this in our interviews. And he said he didn't feel like he wanted to be a threat. That wasn't his objective. But he said if people woke up to the fact that they had these latent abilities of their own, that they could do this because he didn't consider himself unique, He said we would be living in a different world. We would not, you know, in our emotional and intellectual being, we would not consider that we were restricted in what we could do. He said the idea of telepathic communication, for example, alone would revolutionize life on the planet. And the ability, as you say, telekinesis, or sometimes it's called psychokinesis, the ability to actually influence matter directly with one's mind, um, has all kinds of potential implications if carried out to a, a greater extent. No longer do we feel that we are unable or disabled in that arena of action. No longer do we feel that everything that we're living in, this space, this time, is confined. We find realities that exist beyond this continuum. And if we were to do that, he said, we would not be nearly so embroiled in all of the conflicts, and I think this was a key point, that you know the human race has been embroiled in from time immemorial because as he put it to me, he said, look, if, if everybody believes that we're all living in this one and only space, then we begin to get territorial. It doesn't matter what kind of space it is or how big it is or whatever, you're gonna have conflicts. People begin to, that part of their psyche becomes stimulated, this territorial attitude. But if you were to understand that beyond this continuum, there are basically an infinite number of realities that exist beyond this and that you can access them or even create them on your own, the pressure cooker effect completely diminishes. People become much more tolerant, much more compatible with one another. There's no great need to cause trouble, to say, you know, I, this is mine, you can't have it, and I want some of what you've got. That whole mindset begins to dissolve. That part of our consciousness becomes obsolete. And he said to him, that was the biggest threat to those who are bent on control of the planet. And I said, well, it sounds like to me you're saying that part of their agenda at the highest level now we were talking about is to convince people one way or another that in fact there is only this one space that we live in because that would be key. You don't want to let the cat out of the bag. And he said, absolutely. He said that was his perception as well that This is an important part of the matrix operation. You all live in this one space. There are more of you all the time. You've got to get what you think is yours and you've got to take what somebody else has. Within that context, there are great opportunities for control of the populace by the elite. If you break that apart and dissolve it, the whole game changes
2: yeah divide and conquer and the the uh, overarching uh um method seems to be uh, i guess informed somewhat by people like Zbigniew Brzezinski is you know this this uh a, a clash of civilizations that they have sure. to foment perpetual war uh, uh and uh, and uh these elites i guess sit back and uh you know they've got a stake in both games they've got uh, they've bet on red and they've bet on black in terms of the roulette wheel so uh this is fascinating now, but i'm guessing though that 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 the uh, you know your strange 30 year journey uh introduced you to other individuals perhaps even more on the fringe than uh, you know this gentleman who was manipulating ping pong balls with his with his brain waves. I'm wondering. I'm taking a bit of a flyer here. I don't know this, but what about? And going back to the the conversation about uh, space and time continuum being an illusion. Did you ever run across a, uh, someone like an Andrew Bushago and uh, talking about the fact that time travel is a reality and that's being kept from us?
4: Yes. And this is where the work of Jack True comes in, because he's one of these characters that you're referring to, in fact, a central character. Hypnotherapist who was practicing in Los Angeles in the 1980s was instrumental in getting me my first book contract to write AIDS Inc., which was my first book. In our conversations, which turned into interviews, and I interview him 40 times in the Matrix Revealed collection. And there are many more conversations on which I have notes with Jack. He would bring this whole subject up as well. And, and he's doing it, though, you see, from a clinical perspective because he's working with patients. So if he says to me, space-time continuum is an illusion, he's talking about experiences that he's had working with patients at a very deep level of consciousness where the usual restrictions are removed and what these people are then able to do, among which is time travel, to go back to events in the past, for example, or to move into the future and to discover what's there. He did this numerous times and, you know, eventually verified a few... um, Such journeys into the past as has been done by other researchers. You know, somebody who goes back into the past and says, Well, if we go to this place, we will find the following which has never been found before. And they go back and they do, in fact, find this object or something that's in a closet, in an attic, in a house, in a town, in a country that, you know, nobody has disturbed for a hundred years, that sort of thing. But that was not what interested him the most. What interested him was what would happen to his patients who would go on these journeys the release of energy and consciousness that would occur in the process of this happening and how it would change their lives and how it would stimulate in them various kinds of paranormal abilities and this is exactly what happened so the answer to your question is absolutely yes
2: how did, this, travel. how did this affect you? You're, I mean, you? You went into this as a skeptic, as you must be as an investigative journalist. Absolutely. How did this rock your world, John?
4: Well, in some ways it rocked it completely because as you say, I mean, I was looking for facts behind facts to expose medical cartel activities. I mean, I went very deeply into this in my research perhaps deeper than any other field that I explored as a reporter. So yes, on the one hand, this was startling to me. But on the other hand, starting in 1960, I had been a painter in New York, and I had had experiences of my own, which I had, you know, dealt with extraordinary experiences that came directly out of painting that, convinced me that reality was not what we thought it was, or it was, but there was much more to it than that.
2: Can you give me a, for instance, because you and I have never talked about this.
4: No, we never have. Yeah, I mean, it's going to seem strange, but I began painting in a studio in New York in the summer of 1962, out of nowhere. I mean, I was a writer just out of college. I had seen... Uh, paintings in a studio of a friend and decided that I had to try this myself it was just something about it that was so riveting that I said I'm gonna do this no matter what and so I had an opportunity to spend a summer in a, an artist studio and live there and I began to paint and I mean from the get-go I was painting 12 to 15 hours a day because it was so engrossing to me based on no experience No background, no training, no nothing. It was just something that I felt I I must do and I would do and I did. And after a while, this began to work changes in me. I would walk out on the streets of New York and anybody who lives in a big city or has ever visited there knows that you get a a rapid dose of down-to-earth reality as soon as you hit the street. And... This is going to sound strange to people, but I began to see things around me that were inanimate as if they were alive. Buildings, trucks, pavement, factories, bridges. When I say alive, I mean, and first I thought this was simply, you know, my imagination, let's say, that these supposedly inanimate objects were communicating. Well, you know, this was, I won't say it was troubling because it was actually exhilarating, but it was pretty strange. These things were communicating their own essences as if somebody is telling you their deepest secrets in a telepathic language that contains no words but the emotions that are being transmitted are so vivid that you can't discount them. It's like someone revealing to you their deepest secret inner life only it happens to be an apartment building or a bridge you know uh, or a skyscraper. And so I began to read and talk to other artists and so forth. And in fact, in the history of art, there have been a number of occasions where artists have felt that they were undergoing what we would now call paranormal experiences. But psychic experiences, they might say, where the whole world comes alive, everything in it in a way that it never had before where it's actually transmitting emotions, essences, changing the whole nature and scope of reality. And this is what I was experiencing on a daily basis. And it was a great deal to integrate, to try to integrate it. And I realized first and foremost that coming out of my own painting was the key because there on the canvas, A painter is creating a world of his own, another space time continuum. And people tend to poo poo that and say, well, yeah, I mean, but so what? It's just a, you know, it's a painting. But when you're painting 12 to 15 hours a day, every day, something begins to emerge in your psyche that was buried before, which is the energy connected to creative power and imagination. These things begin to surface in a way that they never have before. And they begin to introduce you, as it were, to a different reality. And so I began to be able to walk down the streets of New York and to experience life at a whole new level. And I began to predict, able, became able to predict certain things that would happen five minutes into the future, ten minutes into the future scenes that would occur on street corners that I hadn't yet come to. People that I saw in my mind's eye that had not yet arrived yet where I was, but would arrive five or ten minutes from now. And this led me to cement a relationship with a brilliant healer in New York named Richard Jenkins, whom I write about in my book, The Secret Behind Secret Societies, and involved a whole series of discussions with him about these experiences that I was having. And he was able to put them into perspective for me because he had been working with this kind of thing as a healer for many years. So I had that background, you might say. So when Jack True, this hypnotherapist, as we flash forward 25 years, and I'm an investigative reporter, and he's telling me the space-time continuum is an illusion, part of me is saying skeptic 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 but the other part of me is saying finally somebody is going to tell me something that I haven't heard about this for the last 25 years and I want to know everything about it and so when I began interviewing these volunteers in paranormal lab experiments remote viewing experiments psychokinesis experiments uh, the transmission of photographs telepathically over distance through sealed rooms it was like i'd come home
2: john stay put we'll uh take a time out come back i want to get back to the uh the beat that you have covered for some 30 years, the medical cartel, and, uh, and find out what these matrix insiders uh, told you about how that has been manipulated by these elite groups. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show here on AM740. My name is Richard Serrett. You're listening to The Conspiracy
3: Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM740. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on
2: Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Uh, next Sunday, the 27th of May, Dr. Stephen Greer, the uh, the founder of the uh, the Disclosure Project, a uh, noted UFO researcher, and uh, of course a good friend Victor Vigiani from Zealand News Service will be in studio. And uh, that's next Sunday, May 27th, on The Conspiracy Show. Right now, John Rappaport, No More Fake News, is with us, and uh, he has just released a, a new collection called The Matrix Revealed Volume 1. It's a CD-ROM. It's got audio. It's got text. Uh, first of all, how, do they, uh, how, how does someone get a hold of this thing, John?
4: All I have to do is to go to my website, NoMoreFakeNews.com, there's a large banner. Just click on it, and you'll read a description of what's in it, and you can order it right there.
2: All right, so uh, in addition, so you've, got, uh, you've got hours and hours of interviews. You've got text. Uh, what else is on there that we need to know about?
4: Well, it's the there are bonuses such as my 18-lesson course called logic and analysis Which I found invaluable as a reporter. It's not a seminar. It's a it's a course and the reason that I uh, Wrote this course to begin with is because obviously the education system of the of societies all over the world are crumbling and Children are not learning logic, which was once taught in public schools was taught well and then it was dropped out of the curriculum because logic produces an independent mind capable of independent thought part of the manipulation so that is included it's a full eighteen lesson course with a final exam a teacher's manual and also my first book uh... aids inc which was my first real exploration of the medical cartel 1988 finally we been able to assemble the whole thing as an ebook. It was a Herculean task, publishers and all kinds of complications. But it's there finally. And uh, then there are eight to uh, it's about eight or nine hours of audio that I do on the planetary chessboard. And you mentioned Brzezinski, who is a one of the key uh, scholars, shall we say, analysts of the planetary chessboard about which I could tell you many stories how nations are manipulated in ways that don't get through to the public even some researchers are not aware of this how different nations have different designations this nation is for this that nation is for that and nothing else and if they cross the line there's big trouble there's war, there's invasion, there's whatever is necessary to put them back where they, quote, belong, according to the elite controllers. So there is all of that and more. But, uh, you know, it's it's good that we started this way, Richard, because when we get into the medical cartel, as you say, I've been researching this for 30 years now, and one of the things that leaped up at me after a certain point was the incredible overall toxicity of the drugs the medical drugs I created a chart at one point that I laid out end to end with the adverse effects of many different drugs psychiatric drugs drugs for all kinds of physical conditions and I just looked at it all and I saw wow you know This is poisoning people at a level that's unprecedented in the history of the human race.
2: Well, have you seen these, these commercials now for the latest pharmaceuticals? I swear the commercials are now two minutes long. The actual uh, information about the product, uh, you know, this is what it's for, is about 30 seconds. And then they take another 90 seconds to tell you about all the side effects. It's unbelievable.
4: Yeah. I spoke with Ellis Metavoy, the propagandist about this and he said to me what you're looking at here is reverse effect after people have seen what you're talking about here all the side effects all the commercials all the drugs over and over and over and over again they become conditioned to accept that you know each commercial of course ends with somebody saying and i you know was on this drug and i feel a lot better you know that's the tagline basically but he said it doesn't matter what they say the adverse effects are they could say that 80% of the people die if you watch enough of these commercials after a while you subconsciously put it into context where the beginning and the end of the commercial they're like the bookends and in the middle all the adverse effects the subconscious tells you yeah 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 we understand that but overall we can accept that because this is a good thing this is a good thing this is a good thing that's the subliminal message this is a good drug this is good for you take it take it take it and after a while the adverse effects become positive in the mind there's a reverse switch that goes off and people accept this on some level; they don't question it. they say, "Well, okay, that's all right fine i can I can survive that I can get go beyond it, and I can get to paradise, so to speak, with this drug, whatever it is
2: How many people do you have a handle on how many uh, people die every year from uh prescription drug drugs and I'm not talking about uh, I, don't, I don't know if there's a way of separating these out, but people that uh, are, you know, illegally obtaining uh, a prescription, let's say for for some painkiller because they're, you know, for the opiates because they're addicted. I'm just talking about because of these side effects that someone's taking some heart medication and it and it ends up killing them.
4: Not only can I tell you, Richard, but I can break uh, a story here that has been now floating around for about three days that I broke. The answer to that in America is minimum 100,000 people a year die as a result of correctly prescribed FDA-approved pharmaceuticals. This was reported in the Journal of the American Medical Association on July 26, 2000 in an article called is US health really the best in the world written by Dr. Barbara Starfield who was up until her death last year an emeritus revered public health expert at the Johns Hopkins School of Public Health and that was her figure 106,000 every year in the United States this is mostly patients in hospitals that we're talking about so there's all the people outside the hospitals and it was correctly prescribed she was not talking about <clears throat> major abuse of the drugs uh, or combined the effects of combining the drugs this was just the drugs so you add that up that's over a million people a decade in the united states that are killed by these drugs that's genocide
2: so more more people are being uh, killed every year uh by properly prescribed uh, drugs than are being killed in the United States every year through gun violence. I mean, they're pretty close. Uh, yeah, I, the 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 figure that's often bandied about is about a hundred thousand people are in America are shot and killed with a gun in one year. Uh, but we're talking, and you know, let's face it, many of those are the bad guys. So uh, you're talking about the same amount of people are killed by properly prescribed medication.
4: That's right. That is correct. Now. When I talked to propagandist Ellis Medavoy about this, he said, interesting, don't you think, that this story has never really been covered by the mainstream press? And I said, yes, well, obviously, they're not going to cover it because of all the pharmaceutical advertising, you know, that, they, <clears throat> that, that keeps them afloat we're talking about the television networks and uh, major newspapers and so on he said yeah he said that's true he said but that's not really the point here he said we're talking about the most profound level here of repression if you have an operation whose purpose is to kill and maim and demoralize and destroy lives on a global basis, because you want to control the population. He said, You're going to make sure that the full story and the meaning of the story never gets out. And he said, There's an extraordinary amount of propaganda that is going on every day to distract and to divert people, including professional reporters and editors, from this story. Because he said to me, and I've written this many times, he said, imagine what would happen if the New York Times or the Washington Post suddenly decided, this is an incredible story. And not only are we going to cover it, but we're going to do it like Watergate as a progression of investigations over a year. We're going to let loose the hounds. we put reporters on this that interview people. He said, you would have researchers doctors even pharmaceutical employees medical school people eventually they would all come out of the woodwork and confess that they knew about this as the pressure built you would get defectors from the matrix and they would tell you the truth and this would boil the story even higher and it would eventually get to be such a scandal that it would shake the pillars of the entire medical cartel he said this is what could be done but if it were done he said you would now be seeing as he called it a contagion of awakening in the people because the medical profession has been propagandized and promoted as the highest most reliable quote religion on the planet. The doctors are the priests in their white coats. This is a church, a secular church, in which the people put their full faith, and if that faith is destroyed, the very foundations of the overall matrix, not just the medical matrix, are going to begin to crack. So he said, It is absolutely imperative for the artists of the Matrix, as he has frequently called them, the people who, through propaganda, paint the picture of reality that we all accept. It is imperative for them that this story never is covered in this kind of a way that would be so explosive. He said this is one of the highest priorities of the elite controllers on the planet, that this story be kept under wraps?
2: The pharmaceutical industry, I guess, is not only then the... It's, it's one of the key profit centers, uh, but it's also the means of population control. And I'm not necessarily just talking about, you know, culling the herd. Uh, we're talking about uh, pharmaceuticals that can be used... Uh, to keep people chronically ill and dependent, again, on that profit center, uh, uh, keep people in a constant state of confusion, uh, and, and I suppose we could add to the pile of just dumbing down the population.
4: You bet. Because in other interviews that I've done with people off the record, how can I sum this up the conclusion basically is that there are certain people who have exhibited paranormal abilities who are then diagnosed with mental disorders then they are drugged and one of the effects of the drugs is that the paranormal abilities go away So how's that for a way of keeping people embedded in this space-time continuum as as we understand it you find people who are I'm not saying everybody but you will find people in mental institutions you will find people under chronic psychiatric care taking the heaviest medications available that destroy or bury their paranormal abilities
2: a hundred thousand deaths a year from properly prescribed medication and yet we have this codex where they don't want us to be able to buy vitamin C. Uh, under uh, a codex, if you, if you look at this, uh, the, the, some of these laws that are being passed around, uh, for example, uh, blueberries would now be considered a drug. <laughs> Imagine people busting into your house and arresting you because you want to give your child a blueberry. It's a crazy world, folks. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Keeping an eye
3: on the New World Order, this is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. The truth will set you free, but first, it'll really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett
2: from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. He's the man behind the website nomorefakenews.com. Now, I believe, in its 11th or 12th year, and uh, the author of, well, he mentioned his, uh, his first book out of the gate back in 1988, AIDS, Inc., Scandal of the Century. Uh, he's also published Oklahoma City Bombing: The Suppressed uh, Truth, uh, Lifting the Veil, uh, The Ownership of All Life, Notes on Scandals, Conspiracies, and Cover-ups, and uh, the Secret Behind Secret Societies. And now, he has just released a uh, a collection, a CD-ROM called The Matrix Revealed, Volume One. Uh, the um, The fear a factor. Uh, we were constantly uh, being reminded that uh, uh, you know the next big epidemic is uh, is out there, pandemic is out there. It's not a matter of of um, if, it's just when. And uh, you know, first we had we had SARS, and then we were told that uh, avian flu is 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 uh, is going to be washing up on our shores. How does that? Uh, how is? How are these? pandemics being used or created by these matrix insiders?
4: Well, Ellis Medavoy, whom I interview many times in The Matrix Revealed, was intimately involved in some of these operations. And so he was able to spell it out for me, chapter and verse, and my own independent research confirmed basically what he was saying. Let's take uh, swine flu. The final figures released by the World Health Organization, uh, which are dubious because they could very well be overstating the truth, say that the total of 20,000 deaths from swine flu. The World Health Organization also states that every year in the world between 300,000 and 500,000 people die from ordinary seasonal flu. So the first is a pandemic and the second is ignored. Right. Right. So right there, you know, there's a little bit of cognitive dissonance and you're saying, uh, you know, um, therefore, as Ellis put it to me, what you're basically looking at here are promotional campaigns. That's what these phony epidemics are. And I've added up the statistics on all the ones that you mentioned, and then West Nile, you can throw in there, and then the smallpox terrorist scare that never materialized. And you find that the mortality, the death figures for these so-called epidemics were minuscule on the scale of what really kills people around the world day in and day out all the time. They never materialized. They were phony to begin with, they were propaganda efforts in order to condition the population to accepting medical control to begin with, accepting vaccines to begin with, accepting medical authority to begin with, to say, this is important, that's not important. This is the truth, that's not the truth. You must obey your doctor. The medical matrix, a you know, significant element of the overall matrix, has as its goal the medical control of every citizen of planet Earth from cradle to grave. That's, that's what they're shooting at. And you will be diagnosed with a certain number, let's call it 30, conditions during your life. They will be called diseases, they will be called mental disorders, they'll be called whatever they're called. And you will be given toxic drugs for all of these conditions. And these toxic drugs will give birth to new symptoms that will be diagnosed in turn as new disease conditions for which you need more drugs. And you will proceed that way from cradle to grave. Now, in order to make this work, they not only have to get the global population to accept the medical cartel as the great secular religion that must be obeyed but they actually have to get people to be enthusiastic about this <laughs> and so you I mean I've been seeing this and documenting it for the last 20 25 years and <clears throat> people become proud of the diseases for which they're diagnosed they wear them as badges of honor Oh, he had to give me this drug and then that that didn't work and so he had to switch the dose and then the other drug and now I'm taking three drugs. And they're very heavy drugs, believe me. And this is now a point of pride. I had to have three surgeries for this, that, and the other thing and, you know, they told me that I almost died on the table during the first... You know, suddenly this becomes an identity for an individual. And this is only going to... Get worse as time goes on, unless more and more people wake up. And one of the ways that people are waking up, that you alluded to before we went to the break, is through natural health. So we have a robust and growing nutritional supplement industry planet wide. We have alternative practitioners. We have people writing books talking about living healthy lives. We have people talking about chemical and environmental intoxication and what we need to do to recover from it and what we need to do as a species to avoid it in the future. And this now poses a significant threat to the medical cartel.
2: Right. And so the blowback is Codex elementarius. And uh, they want to take those supplements away from us because although, as the far as I know, a bee pollen capsule has never killed anyone. <laughs> you mentioned prescribed prescription drugs kill about 100,000 a year. It kind of makes you wonder, well, what's the problem?
4: Yeah, what is the problem? You go to the, in America anyway, the National Poison Control Center, and you find that, you, know, you look at the last, I think, three years or so, and you see the total deaths listed from nutritional supplements at zero, zero, zero and now you compare that that would be 300,000 deaths from fda approved correctly prescribed pharmaceutical drugs and so what's the point there obviously the point is that they the medical cartel in the person of government law enforcement are attacking natural health because When people get healthy, they don't need the medical cartel. They don't look at themselves as lifelong patients who are debilitated and demoralized and yet somehow proud of this whole thing. The whole, uh, what I would call the hypnotic effect of the medical cartel on the population is broken by natural health. And so that's why it's being attacked, because it is outside the matrix of the medical cartel.
2: I've talked to a number of former FDA and Health Canada officials who told me that – and and the FDA and Health Canada, of course, are are supposed to be, you know, watching out and protecting consumers. They told me, no, we look at – we're told to look at the pharmaceutical companies as clients.
4: You bet. That's it. You're absolutely right. Clients, because now in the United States, by a new regulation, the pharmaceutical companies pay the FDA money for the FDA to review the studies on drugs that the pharmaceutical companies are doing. That's a fee and it's significant. So it provides funding for the FDA. Well, I mean, they're partners, basically. Those are the clients, the drug companies. That's the attitude in those agencies. We can't, you know, just run roughshod roughshod over our clients. And now, so you get the idea. Well, let's see. Research shows that blueberries are a very powerful antioxidant. That's good for people. But wait a minute. We got to say blueberries are a drug now because... Uh, If they're treating any health condition or they're preventing disease and that's being publicized, then that's a health claim. And health claims can only be made about drugs. Therefore, blueberries are a drug. This is the tortured logic that they use to try to suppress natural health. And this goes all the way up to what I was discussing earlier. I mean, I have interviewed people and this is it's not fun a guy who's who has a natural telepathic ability in his life but because he has not stabilized himself shall we say to the point where he understands his own relationship to the matrix and this is one of the basic reasons that i put this collection together because we all have these latent abilities that go beyond what you know, humans are supposed to be able to do. But here's a guy was diagnosed as having a mental disorder. You know, paranoid schizophrenia. Got himself all wrapped up in this whole deal where eventually he was institutionalized and given heaviest antipsychotic drugs that cause brain damage. They call it tardive dyskinesia, motor brain damage. That's, you know, so we go all the way from, you know, somebody's taking a a painkiller that eventually causes them to have a heart attack or a stroke and they die, like Vioxx, all the way up to the others, you know, the top end of the matrix where we're talking about people that have these extraordinary abilities and through no real fault of their own, but only through ignorance about how the matrix really operates, they eventually get diagnosed with a mental disorder and they're drugged, hideously drugged.
2: It's like the, uh, the modern uh, gulag system.
4: That's what it is. It's a medical gulag system. And I've done so much investigation of this over the last 30 years. I mean, I've interviewed many, many, many doctors I had a conversation with a brilliant internist one day. We were talking about the war on cancer, and I said, well, I guess we lost that one, right? And he kind of laughed nervously. And he said, well, you know, there's that old story about what would happen if somebody came up with a real cure for cancer tomorrow. And I said, yeah. I said, you mean the story where the cure would be suppressed because it would destroy the entire trillion dollar cancer industry? And he said, Yeah. <clears throat> and I said, So, what's the story? I said, It's obvious, isn't it? If somebody came up with a cure for cancer tomorrow, the cure would be suppressed. And he kind of looked at me, and this is a guy with like 180 IQ and a real, you know, in some ways a really good guy. And he said, I can't bring myself to believe that that's true. I think I a said, lot of us
2: feel that way. It's that's a pretty hard one to swallow, you know. I mean because it speaks to uh, just uh, a total uh what's well, evil? I mean it's, it's
4: evil, it's vicious evil. And yet this has already happened. You know, and part of understanding the matrix is coming to the inescapable conclusion that certain technologies have been suppressed. I mean, that's not the, by any means the totality of understanding the matrix, but that's a part of the story. Doctors like Royal Rife, Dr. Koch, K-O-C-H, you can look him up on Glyoxalide. Here was a doctor in the 1940s in America and this was read into the congressional record, and I have the page in 19, I'm going to say, 48, something like that, by a senator, U.S. senator, of how farmers in British Columbia and in Michigan were treating their cows, their sick cows, sick from a number of different conditions with this homeopathic remedy that Dr. Koch had devised. William Frederick Koch, and the cows got better. And the farmers were incredibly enthusiastic about this. And the Michigan farmers were chomping at the bit because by regulations, they weren't permitted to use this uh, you know, cure on their, on their cows. And they said, we're not waiting. And Koch was curing people of cancer. He was actually curing people of cancer. And he was put on trial three times and escaped conviction twice and then eventually lost the third trial left for brazil in nineteen fifty and never came back treated people for cancer in brazil for the rest of his life
2: but but the you're talking about uh... trace uh, elements of an uh, of the active ingredient you know being diluted in water and and yet the orthodox scientific community says well i mean th- it has absolutely no effect. So he's being tried and convicted uh, for, what, giving people water?
4: Pretty much, yeah. Because, see, when they test it, according to their methods, they find nothing but water because of, that's what happens with homeopathic solutions because they're diluted so much. It involves a whole other theory of medicine, which is the problem for the conventional establishment because we're talking about energy vibrational medicine which they don't recognize as being uh, legitimate. So, yeah, they're convicting him of using water. But they call this fraud because they say, well, these people could be treated with chemotherapy and radiation, and therefore he is diverting them from the real stuff, and so he is a fraud and a quack. And this gets back to government control. Do you have the right and the freedom as an individual to make a contract with a practitioner of your choice to receive a treatment, whether or not it is approved by the government? Or must that practitioner be licensed by the government, which is colluding with the conventional medical cartel to begin with? Which is it? What is the basis of freedom? Obviously, it's by contract. I should have the right to call you, Richard, my practitioner, if I want to, and we sign a contract, and you treat me for my lumbago with a homeopathic uh, invention of your own because I'm a responsible adult, and you are too, and we sign an agreement indicating there is no liability that's going to be attached to the outcome of this. We're not looking for any kind of lawsuit that will ever be filed in, in a government court. This is just between you and me. Well, the government, this is like, uh, you know, a red cloak to a bull when the government hears this kind of thing. Contracts instead of licenses. Now we're talking about decentralization of power on a massive scale potentially. Now we're talking about citizens taking responsibility for their own lives and freedom and power without needing government intervention or protection.
2: No, that cannot stand. That cannot be allowed. Because ultimately <laughs> we don't – I think what we, what, we've, what I've come to, 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 to recognize is we don't own our own bodies. There's no such thing as informed consent. And, uh, and that's because we are essentially chattel we are they you know when they when they pass a law that we have to wear bicycle helmets or that we have to we have to wear a seatbelt it's not because they care about us and that they, they want us to live uh, or they do want us to live but it's because we are chattel and if we're not paying taxes uh then you know the, the, then the system starts to uh starts to, uh, to, to to fall down and collapse but we're just like office furniture
4: yeah that is the way they they look at us. That's absolutely the way they look at us. And see, here's where the the padlock is put on the gate. The government says, look, you're getting free health care, but it's not free to us, the government. We pay for it. Of course, they, they don't say, actually, it's your tax money that's paying for it. And they say, so if we're going to treat you in a hospital for a head injury and spend lots of money on you to put your brain back together again, you've got to wear a motorcycle helmet. And most people will say, yeah, you know, I can, yeah, that makes sense, sure, you know. And that means you're in the matrix. Welcome to the matrix. You are now part of the system. And what's going to happen in America, I can tell you, if uh, the Obamacare bill or law is ruled constitutional by the Supreme Court, is the Department of Health and Human Services, which is under the executive branch, is going to make a list of all the diseases and mental disorders which are recognized as legitimate. There will be at least several thousand of these and the treatments that are permitted under national health insurance for these. And then somewhere up the line, the grip will tighten, meaning that you can't go outside the system to get care from an alternative practitioner, even if you pay for it on your own. And if you are taking nutritional supplements, which, quote, could disturb the the role that the medical drug will play in healing you that you can't do that either. Now everybody's locked in. Now the pharmaceutical companies and the government and the FDA and law enforcement and marshals with guns and courts and everybody is on the same page and they're telling you, this is the way it works, buddy. You're in the system. We diagnose you, you accept the diagnosis, whatever it is, and you take the drug.
2: Well, we have, That's a, a, your life. We have uh, an increasing number of uh, doctors up here in Canada. There was a, 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 um, a pediatrician on the front cover of the, uh, the Toronto Star, the daily newspaper here in Toronto, uh, and made the front page because she announced she was no longer going to accept patients unless they had their children vaccinated. And I thought to myself, whatever happened to informed consent? This is, exactly. this is frightening. I mean, I, and I'm, I'm not, I don't care which side of the vaccine issue you, you fall on, even if you're pro-vaccine, I think you have to find that trend somewhat worrisome.
4: Especially if you can see the bigger picture, because this is only one slice of it. The whole idea is there will be no more informed consent. You don't deserve to have described to you your diagnosis, what the disease really means, what the effects of the drug that you're prescribed are. You're just a piece of meat, and we move you through the system. And I have talked to many people over the years who were quite satisfied with that until something happened. You know, they had a relative who took a drug and died. And they went to the doctor, and they said, You gave my brother this drug, and he died. And the doctor looked at him and said, that's absurd. Never happened. Your brother died of the disease for which I gave him the drug. He had a sudden failing due to the disease. Now the eyes begin to open, because now the living surviving brother begins to pursue this. Well, goes to a lawyer. What are my options? What can I do? And through painful experience learns that maybe you've got a chance, probably you don't. You're going to spend money, you're going to go through the meat grinder of a system to try to get some justice here, and the chances are that you won't ever get it. Now that person wakes up to a degree and says hey, I'm not just a piece of meat passing through the system. I have freedom of choice. And what I now see all around me is that the doors are closing and the walls are moving in because the entire medical system is asserting its primacy over the citizen and saying, we decide, you accept. That's it. There is no choice.
2: It does feel like we are in sort of the final two-minute warning of the fourth quarter in this... uh this game. We'll come back. John Rappaport, no more fake news. And the CD ROM is The Matrix Revealed, Volume 1. Back with more. We'll also open up the phone lines, get on board. This conversation, 416 740 Toll free from Maine to Minnesota. Thunder Bay to the Carolinas, 1 866 740 Curiosity? Or did the devil make you do it? Whatever the reason,
3: Welcome back to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on
2: Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And you can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Richard Serrett, all one word, Serrett, S-Y-R-E-T-T, twitter.com forward slash Richard Serrett. John Rappaport stays with us for the full two hours, and uh, we've opened up the phone lines. We'll go to the calls in just a moment. Uh, again, The Matrix Revealed, Volume 1, and you can, um, you can uh, order that through the website nomorefakenews.com, and then click on the banner and uh uh that'll be i guess delivered right to your door. Yes it will. All right, let's say hello to Richard is in Hamilton, Ontario. Greetings to Steeltown, uh, Richard.
1: Uh good evening uh, good morning gentlemen. How are you tonight? Well, thank you. Um well, first I have a uh I have a comment and a question. Uh, the the question is, uh, the, fir- uh, the first question is concerning the uh, time continuum. Um, would that be considered uh, like déjà vu when you experience something and even though you've never done it before? Is that uh, like we would call déjà vu?
2: What are your thoughts on that, John? Is that part uh, of the sorry, space? Sorry, I didn't. I, he's I asking couldn't... about whether the he's asking whether the 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 uh, the déjà vu phenomena that most of us at one time have experienced, some more frequently, and, and have had more sort of powerful episodes of deja vu but he's wondering if if that might be part of what you're talking about when you when you were discussing the space-time continuum being an illusion is that evidence? I think
4: think so Uh, you know in some people and in some occasions because once you uh, toss out the idea that this is the only space and the only time you open the door to the potential of experiencing other spaces and times it's there whether we're talking about past time future time other dimensions it's all there and it's all up for grabs and i firmly believe that this is the case that it is our dedication and acceptance of this particular realm, this space-time, and saying, well, this is it, this is the only one, This this is all there can be. And then there are leaks in the system. And these leaks come in in different ways, and people experience them in different ways. Some people through telepathy, some people through remote viewing, some people through clairvoyance, some people through telekinesis. These leaks in the matrix occur, and you can't catalog all of them and say, Well, there's 15 of these leaks. I mean, people have different experiences, and they are clues to the fact that within ourselves, we do have the capability of experience beyond the matrix, beyond this space time continuum. So
2: Absolutely, yes. Richard, thanks for the call. Uh, Derek is in Toronto. Hello, Derek. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show.
5: Hi. This past June, I went down to Dallas to take the conference Healing Through Energy with Dr. Jerry Tennant. And then after that, I heard on the radio on coast to coast with Dr. John Gray talking about depression, that uh, a cheap, affordable, natural supplement, the best thing for it is lithium orotate. So learning from a guy named Dean Clifford, what I did was I sent notice of proof of claim to Leona Aglicook, who is the Health Canada Minister, saying, listen, I'm in Windsor, I'm going to Detroit, Michigan, I am going to buy lithium tape because you don't provide me an opportunity to buy here because I guess it's banned and illegal. If you have any law or statute or any reason why I can't do that, then you let me know, but otherwise keep out of my way. And I went to Michigan and I bought a whole bunch of lithium orotate, and they haven't gotten back in touch with me. And that's what ha- people have to do. Statutes only apply to government employees, and we don't realize that. And if uh, Richard, if you can have Dean Clifford on one night, that would be great. All
2: right, Derek, if you want to send me some information on him, then uh, I'll look into that. That sounds good. Thank you. Appreciate the call, Derek. You know, there's an episode, uh, a John, of, uh, of Star Trek, I remember as a kid. I'm talking about the original one with William Shatner. And uh, they... The, they found themselves on this planet. There were two civilizations. There were the there was the civilization that lived up in the clouds, and these were sort of the elites, uh, and and life for them was was paradise. Uh, but the people that were really doing the uh, you know the the heavy lifting on the planet were they they were living sort of uh, on the ground or underground, and of course they were getting a little upset with this, and they were threatening to revolt. Uh, unfortunately, you know the the uh, the Star Federation or whatever whatever it was called, they were operating under the prime directive. They weren't supposed to interfere, and, and so they had this moral sort of dilemma to deal with. Uh, they wanted to choose sides but couldn't. But I, I see a parallel, and if we look at the elites uh, that we have today, uh, Richard Dolan, noted UFO historian, uh, believes that these elites now have access to technology, whether it's, Uh, you know, an advanced propulsion system from a crashed UFO or what have you. They have the stuff. We don't. They have free energy. We don't. They have the cures for cancer. We don't. Do you see it that way?
4: Yeah, I do. You know, we can talk about details and speculate as to how much technology and in what areas, but there is no doubt I mean, when Nikola Tesla died, the FBI came into his hotel room where he was living and they took his papers. This is a fact. Voluminous research notes and papers. The FBI? You know, I mean, uh, where does that uh, match up? Right. Why? Why would they do that? Because they want to hoard technology and they want to use it for themselves. This is not a free market we're talking about, folks. That's not what this is all about. This is certain people who want to monopolize technology, and then if they believe, and they do, that certain breakthroughs in technology threaten the matrix, then they will find a way, or try to find a way, to secrete this knowledge and technology and use it in whatever the way they want to, but they do not release it. And this has happened time and time again. I mean, going back to the medical arena, I know cases where you have doctors that are researchers who have come through with extraordinary cures for disease. And finally, after years and years of frustration, the establishment says, "Okay, all right, we'll run a study, and we'll see whether your stuff works or not. Yeah, we heard the story about the kid that had an inoperable brain tumor. And uh, we know about the doctor in Ohio who examined the x-rays after you treated this kid. And the brain tumor is now reduced down to practically microscopic size. And all right, all right, all right, we'll try it. And then they do a study. And all of a sudden it occurs that the way the study was done was completely perverted. The dosages were way too low or they were way too high. Or the patients that they took into the study were, you know, on their deathbeds already from the treatments that they had been getting. And so the whole point of the exercise was to be able to say, your treatment doesn't work. We've proved it now. You're out of business. You can't any longer make any claims, and you can't see patients. That's suppressed technology.
2: Is that what happened to B17 or Laetrile? Is that what they did with the clinical studies?
4: Yeah. I mean, Ralph Moss has the story of what happened at Sloan Kettering, which was you know, the nation's premier cancer center where they perverted the results of their investigation of Laotril. It's what happened to Stan Brzezinski, M.D. in Houston, Texas, with neoplastins, which are the medicines that he invented himself and patented and manufactures. So no pharmaceutical company gets a cut of that. They put him through, I don't know what it is now, seven or eight grand juries, and they've restricted his practice. And they did a study at the National Cancer Institute finally. And lo and behold, Brzezinski started screaming, you've broken our agreement. You've broken our agreement. You've broken our agreement. This is not the dosage that I told you to use. And these are not the kinds of patients that I told you to use. If you're going to use these patients that are incredibly sick and dying, you're going to have to up the dosage didn't work out, they said, Well, we've done the study. They ended the study prematurely. Ah, it's not worth looking into anymore. That's the end of that story. So yes, it's happened. But what about Nissan's up in Canada? I mean, this guy's been prosecuted for seven fourteen X. I don't hear about him anymore or any of his treatments. But I know people from the United States that used to go up to Canada, and I know people in the United States that were treated with it. The problem with, not the problem, but one of the problems with all of these alternative remedies, the ones I'm talking about now that really work, is that they imply a whole new understanding of the way that the body operates. And it's not just one new way, you see. And this is where we get into this alternative space and time energy thing here in a very real way. Because I'll tell you something. If you were to line up the research of Royal Reif, who had a machine that killed microscopic organisms that he was able to see live and in action through his revolutionary microscope and track, which was unbelievable... And line that up with Stan Brzezinski's work, line that up with, say, Laetril, line that up with Nassan's and Coke and a few other people. You can see that not only are they curing people, but that the theories on which their work is based are all different. This is incredible. They're all different. They're not compatible theories, really. No, no. So we're looking at multi-dimensions of the human being. In other words, you can, if you took this out into the space-time continuum, it would be like saying, we can have 16 competing theories of how the universe works, and for each theory we can do experiments that verify these theories. Well, that's impossible because now you are it's all contradictory now. That's right. If you accept that there's only one space and one time. But if you go out into multiple dimensions beyond the matrix, then you would see that, in fact, you can have side-by-side side radically different explanations of things, and you can make them all work. And the proof of the pudding in the case of cancer is... You have people who are cured by these multiple theories of what cancer is.
2: Uh, Bill is in South Cayuga. You're on the line with John Rappaport, Bill. Welcome to the Thank Conspiracy. Thank you very show. much,
1: Richard. You do great work. Thank you. Uh, John, uh, great to speak with you. I, I kind of perked up when I heard you use the expression um, electric, uh, electric, I'm sorry, energy vibrational medicine. I interpret that, sir, as being holistic medicine, which was, I guess, 1985, founded by the American Medical Association, or uh, at least recognized by uh, the American Medical Association for the first time, based on physical, mental, emotional, and energy, or uh, spirit. Now, holistic medicine tells me, or at least the way I understand it, is developing that vital uh, sixth sense. Uh, or becoming usefully whole on those four levels of, of, of understanding of self, right? But i, I got to ask myself the question, is, is paranormal, acting out in a paranormal, being able to move objects, um, that to me is kind of secondary. I kind of think that if you were to become um, um, uh, usefully whole, where your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual are in equilibrium, then, then that's child's play that you've actually elevated into something where inherently you should be, you know what I'm saying? My question is this. Surely, uh, throughout the ages, there have been cloistered perhaps people in small communities or or countries who have existed on the basis of being usefully whole, in harmony, without war. You you see what I'm saying? Is that too utopian or is that uh, out in left field?
2: John, do you want to weigh in on that one?
4: I'm not getting the audio from the phone calls.
2: Oh, let me uh, talk to Dave Gaskin about that. Uh, uh, can we correct that, David? It's there, now. it's there now. All right, Bill. Let me get you, let me get your the the preamble was very eloquent, but uh, all I have time for you to do is repeat the, the actual question.
1: My question, sir, is this um, on the development this vital uh, sixth sense, as we'll we'll call it, holistic medicine calls it, uh, spirit. Uh, physical, mental, emotional, spirit, equilibrium to become usefully whole. Sir, it, it surely throughout the ages we have experienced a discipline that allows people to live in harmony, to develop, to become usefully whole. I, I kind of see this paranormal thing as moving objects. I see that as being secondary as to the real uh, connection, seeing things around you as, yes, being different. I understand what you're saying in the streets of New York, but I also see it as being a loosation. Uh, I, I, I'll stop
2: there and listen. All right, so your question is, have there been throughout history...
1: Yes, yes. Like, I mean, yes. yes. Of course. Of course. Stanford, Stanford, sure, but surely there are people that have lived that way.
4: Of course. Absolutely lived that way. Throughout history, we've seen that. And we've seen the way that they've been interpreted by people who are really locked into the Matrix and how these interpretations distort what is really going on here. Because ultimately what we're talking about is that within each person there are not these little separate islands of ability. But there is great creative capacity to experience existence in a fully glorious way okay that has so many implications for the way that we actually live on this planet that by comparison it is just dumbfounding and we all have this potential within us and it is a proliferating potential it isn't just one thing that suddenly manifested its progressive it expands it goes higher and deeper and farther And when we have seen people historically who have lived lives like this, some completely anonymously, some, you know, famously, this is an illustration of what I'm talking about. Because outside of the matrix is all of this. Where life is what it's really supposed to be in its full glory all the time and it only gets better. And we participate in that. We're not just simply passive observers. We are creative participants in that, each one of us. And when viewed from that perspective, we can certainly see what effects the matrix has had.
2: Would you consider Jesus Christ to be one such person?
4: Yeah, I would. I would consider Buddha to be another. I mean, there are famous examples throughout history. But, as people will see if they read my book, The Secret Behind Secret Societies, I met a healer in New York that I became close friends with, Richard Jenkins, who was another one of these people. He had an office in Manhattan and in the years of, you know, 1960, 62 and there, when nobody was even talking about alternative anything, he was healing people of all kinds of conditions and this guy was a joy to be around because he was fully alive and when I said to him you know what are you doing what are you doing Richard with these people he said it's not it doesn't have anything to do with that he said it's not a system it's not a method that's all secondary he said this is spontaneous improvisation in the moment if you are enough in the moment You can do these things.
2: Every once in a while, one of these individuals comes along. They, I guess they uh, are able to uh, climb over the fence of this uh, prison planet and tell us who we really are. Uh, And they let us know that we will, of course, or we are capable of doing even greater things. Than they. John Rappaport, stay with us. A few more moments remain. We've get, we'll get to some more calls in as well. 416-360-0740 in the GTA. 416-360-0740. Toll-free 866 740 4740
3: You want the truth? You can handle the truth. The conspiracy show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. poking holes in the darkness the conspiracy show with richard serrat from zoomer radio a.m. 740 to see the light call richard now at four one six three six zero zero seven forty or toll free in ontario at one eight six six seven forty four
2: seven forty john rapaport stays with us no more fake news and uh, the cd-rom uh, is called "The Matrix Revealed," Volume One. Uh, so I assume there is uh, there are more there is more to come. Uh, you're opening up the vaults, uh, uh, John. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you have? Is there a sense of urgency uh, for you uh, because of I don't know? It's it's late in the game for all of us, 2012 and all that.
4: Uh, not so much because of 2012, but yes, there is urgency, and uh, that's why I'm doing this. And there will be more, because the other side of the coin, I started to really talk a bit about from the last caller. There's the matrix, and then there's what happens when you're outside the matrix. And this is radically different. And this is what, on some level, everybody wants, is to transcend and surpass the matrix. That's the point of this. The point is not to just say, well, let me show you why nothing can ever change. This is to show you why it can change, but first you need to understand the depth of how the whole system is built, how the matrix operates.
2: What does that mean, living outside the matrix? Are you living outside the matrix?
4: Sometimes, Mm
2: -hmm.
4: yeah, I would say so. And again, I'm glad this last caller weighed in because uh, I was hoping to get to this. You know, people say, well, I understand the political conspiracies that are going on now. I see it. Or the financial conspiracies or the energy conspiracy or the, the globalist conspiracy. And believe me, I've had my nose deep into those things for a very, very long time. But the point of it is that there are many other aspects of Matrix that involve us and how we confound ourselves into having blind spots and overlooking the enormous potential and capacity that we have, that we've only been able to really hint at in a way in the last couple of hours because this is, you know, a 50-hour conversation just to get off the ground and um that's what this is all about to
2: to have that experience what is to, what what is living what is living outside the matrix mean to you
4: it means that you create reality and i know that that phrase has been tossed around until it's become passé and you know, shoe-leather-worn. But the research really started for me with the earliest civilization of Tibet before it was turned into a theocracy. When itinerant teachers who had been kicked out of universities in India about 1450 years ago, wandered into Tibet and began to teach practices that have come down to us in the following slogan. The universe is a product of mind. That's kind of the distillation of what they taught. But they taught practices and techniques and exercises and methods by which this would not only be an intellectual statement, but could be experienced at such a depth that one would see how he was creating universe as a product of mind. And when that would occur profoundly enough, then that individual would be able to create reality at an unprecedented level and experience it. And not only as a sort of academic exercise, it's the farthest thing from that, But that's where the infinite reserves of joy, energy, are in us, largely untapped. That's what it means to live outside the matrix.
2: I I mentioned 2012. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's there's the Mayan calendar and everything. But I think for a lot of us, we're getting a sense... That and you can come at this from a number of perspectives. You can come at it from the the Christian Bible and and uh, you know revelations, or you can come at it from uh, any 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 number of perspectives. Uh, but a sense that there's this final. I mentioned you know the, the, we're at the two minute warning in the fourth quarter, and in the, the sense that this you know we've had this war on terror, but the, really the war is us. We are the enemy uh, the, to the elites. We are the useless eaters that must be culled and controlled, uh, but also a sense that this is all coming to a head and very soon. Do you get that sense?
4: Yes, I get the sense that the, let's call it the next major escalation, is <clears throat> at hand. The escalation in the degree of control that's going to be exerted. So yes, I see that. But I also see the opposite happening, that more and more people are waking up to a deeper understanding of what individual freedom actually means in life. And that's the counter force. That's the counter
5: operation, you might say.
2: All right, let me grab a, quick, a couple of quick calls here. Paul is in Oshawa. I've been very patient. Paul, welcome to The Conspiracy Show.
5: Richard, thank you for taking the call, and thanks very much and having John on. And, John, thanks very much for uh, bringing a lot of truth of what I've uh, studied and uh, seen myself, that each and every individual is unique, and, and once awakened by whatever way they are awakened, uh, it, it seems to come around more and more to that maybe that the people are becoming more of a threat uh, to the authority. Uh, but the question I have for you, John, is once you start to understand uh through emotion, compassion, and love, can you, uh, in a sense, create like a protection bubble around yourself, and can it affect those that are trying to control you? Good question. I think
4: you can.
2: Um,
4: You act on what you know, and you act on it now. You don't say what you're going to do, you do it now to me that's the best protection because you're not waiting around you're not waiting around is like exposing yourself and becoming more vulnerable not only to outside uh... forces but to your own lassitude your own ability to fall back and become more passive to think of reasons why one shouldn't step forward. And so, I find that that actually works in a way that's not completely rational. In other words, you come to new consciousness and you act on it. You say, okay, so now this is what I'm aware of. Wow, okay. Now, what do I truly want to do from this point on, given what I'm now conscious of, and you f- figure that out, and then that is what you create full bore with no backing down. <clears throat> Excuse me.
2: All right. That's- because if
4: you do that, things begin to line up in your favor.
2: Paula Nashala, thanks amazing. for the call. Sorry, uh, John. Let's oh, sorry. Uh, uh, Helena. Uh, Helena in Richmond Hill. We've got about uh, forty-five seconds. So, uh, oh, um,
1: what is matrix? Could you explain the word matrix?
2: Matrix means
4: a kind of a grid or a system that convinces us that it is the only reality that exists, in which we are confined with limited capacity and ability and consciousness, and we live out our lives from that inside that structure
2: sort of an invisible scaffolding i guess and uh now we get to see that scaffolding thanks to the matrix revealed volume one john rapaport again people can get that through the website nomorefakenews.com right
4: that's right richard this has been very interesting i didn't know we were going to go to all these places but i surely appreciate it as always with you
2: I look forward to uh, many more conversations, and uh, we'll delve uh, further into this. Congratulations on Matrix Revealed, and uh, stay well. John, we'll talk soon. You too, Richard. Thank you. John Rappaport, no more fake news. My thanks to David Gaskin for technical production. Back next week, as I said, Dr. Stephen Greer, Victor Vigiani, and who knows where else we'll go. But I hope you'll be along for the ride. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.